Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody And I make the beat Don't know where it'll take me, take me Cause when I'm in the dark of night I sing my way back to the light Come along with me and your heart will see That a song changes everything Hi friends, welcome to Arts for the Health of It. I am your host, Richard Wilmore. This is the um, main host, Winnie the Cat. <laughs> Winnie the Cat is yes. with us today. I'm your co-host, Constanza Rader. And whether you're in a professional creative field or not, I think we all know what it feels like to feel blocked, where your creative ideas aren't flowing, you just feel stuck. And we had the pleasure of talking with Jeff Lizowitz, and he has um, a book out called Warning. Warning, not, warning. <laughs> not effing around. The No Bullshit Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. Jeff is a creative himself. He has had an illustrious career in so many areas, and now he's he helps other creatives get unstuck. And he shares a fountain of wisdom in this in this episode. Um, and we can't wait for you to hear it. It was really, I, a full disclosure, I actually met with him after uh, we talked to him and I, and I was talking to him about some different things that I felt stuck in. And it was sort of like a mini therapy session. Aww. And, but it was really, it was really nice and eye opening and, and really proved to me how great of a, of a coach he is. Um, it was really fun to talk to him for a little while that I did after the interview because mm. I had fun with him during the interview. So I was like, all and, right, well, I'll continue this conversation. Um, and he's doing a workshop for us later in later in June. Yes. So fall in love with him during this episode and then go to our website, heartsneedart.org to sign up for that um, for that workshop and talk one on one with him. It'll be it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Um, he is a life coach for heart-centered creative types, and he burns with a mission to inspire and teach writers, artists, songwriters, musicians, filmmakers, solopreneurs, arts organizations, and every other human with a heartbeat to amp up their vision, mm -hmm. tap into their potential, and shine in the world. I love all of that. That's why we invited him on. So here is Jeff Lizowitz. Nice. Uh, you, I love that you burn with a mission to inspire and teach writers, artists, songwriters, musicians, filmmakers, arts organization, and anybody with a heartbeat to amp up mm. their vision, tap, tap into their potential and shine in the world. I love that. It's true. I, uh, I love it too. That's why I do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that works out well. You wrote it. Does it does work, so out, it works well. out well. Yes. <laughs> When when did you where did you grow up first of all? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, which is if you consult your Monopoly board, you'll see the Reading Railroad. Oh, right. So that was that uh, big railroad town back in the day. 
So yeah, grew up there and uh, eventually made it to LA where I finished college and then up to Seattle where I've been for a long, long time. Does that at all, I know the weather in, in Seattle can be a little sketchy sometimes and not super bright. Like I'm a bright, I need bright sun. That's what motivates me to be creative. Does that affect you at all? Uh, well, certainly the, the weather affects us in different ways for sure. Um, I, I sort of feel like there's more energy with the sun, but there's more introspection with the overcast. Ah. Yeah. And the introspection, of course, is good for creativity, right? Of course. Yeah. I love your, I love your tagline. Um, you talk about at its best creativity is a way for us to be seen, express and connected. And you talk also about, um, using creativity and art to heal and i'd love to i'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to that you know that's such a that's such a wonderful um uh statement that of course we resonate with but mm -hmm. i'd love if, if you could expand on that well um i came to it through through living my life as a creative right um beginning with you know the teenager who wanted to be the rock star. You know, when I was 15 years old, I declared to my parents, I wonder, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Rock star, you know, yes. you can do anything with your life, rock star. And they're like, oh God, no, please, no. Um, so, you know, I, I think some artists, creatives, especially maybe musicians and maybe actors or something, um, there's, a, there's this component of ego, of fame and fortune, that kind of thing. But the truth is, after numerous successes and failures in my life, I realized that at its core, creativity at its best is a way for us to be seen, expressed, and connected. So what does that mean, to be seen? Well, in our normal lives, I feel like people are generally not very well seen. I mean, on the top level, it's mm -hmm. like you drive down the freeway, obviously you're basically anonymous, you know, or walking down the street, same kind of thing internet basically the same deal there's just infinite people you know floating around out there so then you've got your next level and the next level is you know your your closer people so maybe this is people you work with your acquaintances things like that and maybe they see you and get you and kind of understand you but probably not that much and they probably really don't care that much as well and then you've got your real close people and that's your family and your good friends and your partners or whatever. And, you know, hopefully they get you, they understand you, they see you. But in my experience, they generally don't see all of you. Hmm. Right. So that's the scene part. So what does expressed mean? Well, in my definition, expressed is, is really just moving from the potential to the actual. So an example for this is like, you know, the dancer who knows all the moves, right? She's an awesome dancer, but on this Saturday night, she's sitting in the corner, the disco balls whirling around. She is not expressed in that moment. You get up there and you shake your moneymaker and bam, you're <laughs> expressed. It's like the poet. You can have a pile of poems on your desk, but you're not really expressed as a poet until you're writing poetry. So that's that. The next part, is the connection. Well, it's really part of a, of a healing, right? So when we are expressed and when we are seen and when we create something, 
with truth and authenticity, there is a, there is a healing that comes with that. And it, hmm. it could be some kind of catharsis, you know, letting go of something big, but it really is a healing of just letting yourself be who you are and, and putting it out there into the world. So when we are seen, expressed, and healed through our authentic creativity, we then give, give that gift of creativity to the world. And when I say the world, I'm not talking Madison Square Garden in the top of the you know, box office or whatever, although that's a thing too. The world can be just your friends or your people online or really even just yourself. But when you give the gift of your creativity to the world, it, it gets even cooler because you become the gift because you show others that they can be seen, expressed, healed, and connected, mm. which changes the concept of what creativity and what our work is as creatives mm. in a big way. It's not just like, oh, it's fun to paint. Oh, it's cool to write a poem or a story or something like that. It's like, wow. We are, we are being seen, we are connecting with the world, and we are empowering others to do that. And one of the biggest things uh, I see in, in the culture and, and life is people rarely feel seen mm. and understood. And when that happens, you got all kinds of crazy conflict. Mm. So art is really a way to heal the world. No, oh, I'll, ju I'll just say it. Oh well, we agree. <laughs> this is the shortest podcast ever. We're ten minutes and, in, and, and we're done. <laughs> Point made. I I really resonated with that when I saw that on your website. We have a similar saying in our organization at Heart Scene Art um, that our goal is to help everyone feel seen, heard, and loved, mm -hmm. particularly while facing a life-altering health challenge, that there's real tangible healing power that happens um, when people feel connected and cared for, that that's a powerful um, medicine. And so when I came across that quote, I was like, oh, we're going to like talking to this guy. <laughs> this guy's all right. Let's get him on. We'll, we'll hang yeah. out for a little bit. Yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> Do you remember like when you made that connection of like, it's more than just being, I want to be a rock star, like that, that mm. it actually has, there's power behind writing music. I mean, you're, you're you do so many things. Mm. You, you write music and you're a filmmaker. You do all of these things. Like when was that connection made for you? What happened? Well, I think it was, uh, I think it was a process. It wasn't a moment and it was a process in between, you know, so-called successes and failures for a while. Um, I was doing really well professionally with the music. I had tons, thousands of placements of my music on film and TV. This is quite enviable for, mm -hmm. you know, most musicians would, you know, be very psyched about that. Passive and income, right? Passive income, <laughs> checks coming in. I'm like, oh my God, you know, okay, it's not touring Living the world. Living the life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not touring the world and being a rock star, but it was still pretty good. So... I got to that point and it was, and it was doing well. And I was like, wow, I kind of did, I kind of did my goal, but it's mm. really not that fulfilling. Mm. Having my music on, on the background of TV shows, like it's cool and cool. it's great. I get to make music, but I'm like, wow, is this really what this is about for me? And mm. I had to really go deep and think about why am I even making music in the first place? Right, And the music that I was making, or the music that I want to make and have made, is about communicating, you know, just like 
just like we were talking about, communicating ideas and emotions and connecting with people and helping others understand um, both, both my stories and thoughts and emotions and their own. Because really, at its best, what an artist does is intersect their own experience through their art with the experience or the life of the viewer or the audience. Hmm. Right? So one of my favorite bands, uh, U2. Right? Loved U2 forever. You guys know two bands? Right? Yeah. Okay. So a couple years ago, I saw this interview with Bono. And this guy has been massively famous his entire adult life. Like he's just this whole life. So the interviewer asked him, so, you know, you walk out on that stage, you've done it thousands of times, and tens of thousands of people scream and go freaking nuts, right? Every single time. It's like, how does that affect you? What's the deal? And he says, well, you know, when I was younger, I thought they were screaming and cheering for me and for this band, mm. right? But eventually I figured out what they're really doing, whether they know it or not, is cheering for the way this music makes them feel. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And this is just a focal point at the concert. And I was like, holy shit. This guy, oops, bleep. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> I told you, I warned everybody. <laughs> this guy is very conscious about what he's doing and how he's experiencing his fame and fortune. And, you know, if you know anything about you too, yeah, they've made a fortune and they are extremely famous, but they've used that fame largely in, in many ways as a platform for social and political good. Yeah, I think it's and I think it's even um, while you were talking earlier, I thought of um, a quote from an interview that I saw with Bono. So it's funny that you brought him up. Uh, he talks about how the arts are revelatory by their very nature. They are revealing, you know, we're taking an internal thought idea feeling and externalizing it in some way. And so when you talk about the arts helping people feel seen, I mean, that's, that's one of the most powerful ways that we can be seen. But I think it's also one of the reasons it can make it so intimidating to engage in the arts for people that maybe are outside of the field or even inside, even when you are an artist, sometimes you can hit blocks um, where there's a lot of fear and vulnerability around, you know, expressing your true thoughts and feelings. And it sounds, it's um, calling. <laughs> yeah, that's Bono. Sorry. That's Bono. Wow. He, yeah. he heard us. I'm like, Bono, I'm on the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Way I more got, important. I got the right link. Give me <laughs> um, and I know that you it that you kind of specialize in helping people embrace their creativity and get past their creative blocks. So what would you what would you say to someone who is maybe scared of stepping into that? Absolutely. Well, the first thing I would say is you're exactly right. Being an authentic artist and putting anything into the world, and even not putting anything into the world, just just doing it for yourself takes a lot of courage. Mm because it is revelatory if you're doing it right, mm -hmm. right? So um, what would my suggestion be to people who are sort of struggling with this besides calling me up for coaching? <laughs> well, um, that too. Yeah, that would be that too. Um, the first thing is to, to do this for yourself, like start small, like, mm. like create it. You know, if you're writing, sh let's say short stories, write a short story and know that you do not have 
to show this to anyone, mm. right? In fact, and I've done this with clients, this is classic. We write story, they write stories with the intention and the knowledge that when they're done with it, if they choose, they can rip them up and burn them. Hmm. Right? There's a lot of freedom in that, right? Yeah, there's so there's much a, power in that. That's there's great. a lot of freedom in it. So you guys familiar with um, the Buddhist monks who make the mandalas, the sand mm. uh, mandalas. Mm -hmm. yes. right? So for the audience, you know, you get a, a bunch of these Buddhist monks out there somewhere in some, uh, some monastery, and they take colored sand, and they spend weeks making these incredibly intricate mandalas, these shapes and this sort of prayer, um, I don't know, talisman, it's probably not the right word, but this uh, this focal point, this, this creative piece, and you know, they pray on it, they meditate on it, and they do this for weeks. As soon as it's done, they celebrate it, and they literally sweep it up. Mm. And, you know, as you may know, part of Buddhism is the world is impermanent. So to, to spend that much time and energy creating something so beautiful mm. and then being willing to destroy it mm. is a powerful spiritual experience for these people. I want to talk about failure because I, I love that you talk so much about it and how important it is. And I think as adults, we don't want to do anything that we're not good at because we're adults. And that's, I think, why people don't want to create because we haven't done it in so long and we don't want to look bad and we don't want to mm. have a bad painting. And we don't, you know, like, we don't want to make a poem that doesn't rhyme because then we'll look crazy. Like, But it's so important to to get the bad stuff out of the way. Otherwise, how do you make good stuff? But I, I like the what, what you do is like, you fail fast and kick ass faster. We're swearing again. I'm so sorry. But uh, <laughs> that's partly why I wanted to have you on here because I felt like I could swear for a little bit. Sure. Um, <laughs> but can you talk about that? Like why, how that's important and how how you become okay with that? Sure, absolutely. What it does for you? Yeah, so you're you're exactly right. Nobody likes to fail. However, failure is absolutely an essential ingredient in success. Mm -hmm. No one preach. on earth. What's that? I said preach. Preach. That's right. <laughs> um, no one on earth has ever succeeded in everything they've ever done. It's impossible to do. But there's a couple of key pieces here. One is that when you fail, that you very clearly understand the difference between failing at a specific task or endeavor and identifying as a failure, mm. right? That's a huge difference. And when we create identities that say, I'm a failure, it, it is going to stop you from moving forward. However, it, it, on the other side, if you're like, oh, I failed at this or that, X, Y, Z, then the big question is simply, what can I learn? It's like literally that simple. What can I learn? And you just squeeze that and you, you know, crunch that in your brain and you think of it from every direction that you possibly can. And then you regroup and you do it again. And you're either going to succeed, fail, or somewhere in between. And then you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. That's called and, life. And it's called life. And instead of seeing it as failure, 
you see it, you can, it, you, uh, if you change your lens, you can see it as feedback. I didn't mm. fail at this. I got a bunch of good feedback. That's awesome. Mm. Right? So, so much of our lives is based on how we perceive the data, the stimuli, the world. And if you look at the world in ways that are not helpful or useful to you, you're not going to move forward in the in directions that you choose or directions that you want and do as well as you would like. So, so much of it is being able to look at the world in, in ways that are helpful and useful, mm. which is not always positive, but it's useful and helpful. I love that. And I love that reminder that, you know, I think, I think there's this misconception in our, that kind of floats around in our, in popular culture that, that this idea about talent. And I think people think of it as like an on off switch. You either have it or you don't you either can do the thing or you can't do the thing. I can either draw or I can't, or I can either sing or I can't, you know, but there's this, there's this um, whole thing around skill building that even if you might show an early proclivity to or talent around a particular um, art form or math or whatever that thing might be, you still at some point have to learn the skills to perform that that task at a higher and higher level. And what so what you're talking about, that feedback loop is the process we all go through when we're having to build a new skill. You know, I've taught I've I'm a voice teacher, so I teach, I've taught many people who have been told that they're tone deaf or can't sing how to sing because it's just it's a skill building process. Now right. they might not all end up singing on a stage at the Met, but they can enjoy their own voice and their own, um, they can make their own music. And I think that's a really important piece to tease out. Like just because you feel like you failed when you, or like that you had that, it, it, your attempt didn't measure up with your target. That does, doesn't mean you were a failure. That's like you said, that's feedback, okay? next time I can do this differently and get closer to my target. And then next time I can do this differently and get closer to my target. So it's a journey. It's not just an on off switch, right? Exactly. How do you, that like, maybe you answered this question and I was thinking of the question, uh, <laughs> like as someone like, cause you kept saying it's a journey. So like as someone who has reached, and maybe this is like for both of a question for both of you, like as someone who has reached a certain amount of success, how do you, continue to like fulfill yourself with the arts like what keeps you going as opposed to just like oh that was fun I, I can sit back and watch and listen to my songs on tv shows like good for me I'm done here like what what keeps you motivated and what keeps you like no I'm not done yet I'm not done learning and I'm not done expressing myself um for me I would say it's a combination of curiosity and awe mm. so when I, you know, with music, let's just start with, since I'm big on that, you know, I've got the soft, the recording software, I've got the guitars, the beats, all these kinds of things, right? But when I'm starting, there is, it's nothing, it's an empty hard drive. And I put my brain and my body and my heart through, essentially, <clears throat> essentially through this technology. And at the end of the day, which might be three weeks later, depending <laughs> on the song, <clears throat> there is something there that is the sort of blows me away. Like, you know, I create something that 
kind of blows me away, mm. right? And you know, one of the things that I like to do is sort of time travel that back to my 15 year old self who was learning to play guitar and to be like, Hey, 15 year old Jeff, you know, you're trying to like pull this off, you know, just like get the chords right. And listen to this tune, dude, right? Like keep on the path and you will be able to create things that are mind bogglingly, you know, beautiful to, at least to me. Right. So, you know, that that's kind of what what gets me going. And actually, it's another U2 story. Um, somebody asked Bono, again, like, dude, you're so loaded. Why would you put yourself through touring and promotion? And, you know, like, what are you doing? And, you know, like, why are you doing this? And when are you going to stop? And he said, I do this because this music still blows my mind and mm. I will stop when it is not. Mm. That's it. I mean, that guy's, that guy's got hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm sure. Right? He's doing it because he likes it. Yeah. It's fun. Because he's oh, I love that. pressing his heart. Yeah. And by the way, as a life coach, we also do exercises shifting the timeline, moving both backwards and forwards, honoring the past, and the mistakes or failures, right? And also moving forward to vision what you want in the future. Yeah. So you practice NLP, right? The neurolinguistic repattering, repatterning. I only know about it because my um, my father's an NLP coach, and yeah, it's yeah. incredibly powerful work. So I'd love for you to talk about that because um, it's such a fascinating, such a fascinating piece coming from someone like I've had years and years of therapy. Um, and then there are certain things that I'd still get stuck on. And then NLP just kind of mm -hmm. clears things out so you can l lose the dead weight. Anyway, I asked you to talk about it. Now <laughs> I'm talking about it, <laughs> but I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. So NLP, um, for people listening here, uh, neuro-linguistic repatterning, it's really a set of tools, psychological tools that help people untangle their subconscious blocks to live better, more interesting, richer lives, right? Um, so in my experience, in my opinion, so much of what we do, what we see, how we perceive the world, all this stuff is, is not rooted in what we think we think, hmm. but it's rooted in what's going on underneath in the subconscious. And these subconscious ideas about the world and beliefs about ourselves, identities, are very powerful. So if they are positive and useful, that's great. If you know you subconsciously believe, hey, I'm smart and creative and good looking. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. I'll take that. But if you're, you know, if you've got something running in there that says, you know, the world is overwhelming and I can't do it and I'm not very smart. Hmm right? That anything that comes at you is going to go through that filter. You won't even really know it. And then it's going to, uh, you know, affect your entire experience. And then you're going to act upon that. And then you're going to get that life. Hmm. Right? So as you can see, if you just put input, because basically the world is like the world's out here, it goes through you, you process it somehow in your brain and body and heart. And then you react to it somehow. And mm. 
that's the, sort of the really basic of like what life is. So depending on how you process and how you act is going to significantly change what your life turns out to be. Because if you've got that negative stuff running in your, you know, in your head and your subconscious, even when positive things come to you, you won't attribute them to you. Oh, that was lucky. I don't really mm. deserve that. You know, things like this. And then, you know, you just shoo them away. You don't take any credit for it. You, you keep the people like to keep the same um, thought process processes that they've been built with, whether they're good for them or not. Mm. So in NLP, we go in and we start to explore those things and, you know, change stuff around in there to build new habits of thought, essentially. And, you know, when you practice that, just like practicing anything else, eventually you're going to have automatically po more positive, helpful thoughts. It's, it's powerful stuff. And I think it's so powerful for creatives because, again, like our, our role is to make the invisible visible and to be revelatory you know, we go first, right? In, in leading authentic authenticity and to lead people into the still and quiet parts of themselves that so often remain hidden. Like we are leaders in that. That's our role as artists. And if we're, if we're blocked and we have those, those subconscious things that are keeping us from being fully authentically ourselves, then we can't fully operate in that. Right. And then, and our world so desperately needs um, leadership in that area. And that's really our area as creatives. And it sounds like you really specialize in working with creatives. And so I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of um, transformation you see when creatives get unblocked, like what, what happens? Uh, miracles happen. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, it's probably a big question. <laughs> you know, I mean, first of all, everybody's different and everyone's starting from different places and going different places but what what typically happens is you know as we move through the process through the coaching you know first we assess where someone is like what where they really are not even where they think they are which is kind of different sometimes then um where do you want to go and why and the why is huge mm. and oftentimes people don't even understand what they're doing or why they're doing it and if you don't know why you're doing something, you're never going to be fully powered from the heart energy, right? You're just going to be chugging along with the body and brain, but it's there's, like the heart is the energy. Mm. So we, we, we make sure that is aligned. Like, what is it? Like, what is your why? And from there, sometimes people change their, like, their direction. Oh, I thought I wanted to do this, but actually I want to do this because this is actually more true to me right now. And of course, these things can change, right? Dynamic humans, you know, and then from there, it's, you know, what is the goal, how to get there and what's stopping you? And, you know, I work on both the internal and external worlds. So the external world is things like, how do you make a schedule? How do you prioritize? How do you get accountable? You know, those kinds of things. And the inner world is actually more important. And that is the stuff that we're talking about with the NLP, 
What are your beliefs? What are your identities? Do you understand your why? Can you really vision your future and move towards it? These kinds of things. When you put these together, and you know, it takes time, of course, to build this, suddenly or not so suddenly, there's change. You know, I've been working with a guy for like a year or something now, and he he's you know, part part of this job that's awesome is I get people texting me with like illustrations and poems and you know i did this and that you know as part that's of that awesome. that's pretty awesome you know um so he just texted me the other day and he's like you know it's taken a while but i feel like i really got this like i'm i got it like i'm moving forward towards what i want in my life rather than you know just like ho-hum hmm. so hmm. it's it's powerful it's hard and it's worth it when did you decide to write, a, to take all of these thoughts and, and your knowledge and turn it into a book? Uh, I sort of did it by accident. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, at a Seattle coffee shop, you know, Seattle's big with the coffee. So, um, you know, this was good years ago, whatever. Um, I was just, I go to the coffee shop sometimes on the weekend morning and get all amped up on those lattes or whatever. And write a poem or think about stuff or write on a screenplay or who knows. And I just wrote something and I was kind of done. And I'm like, huh, this would kind of be a good idea for a book. I know all about this. I don't know. I just write a book. So I just wrote it. Just like that. Just like yeah. that. I mean, it's, uh, it's not really a great answer, but it's a true answer. I, <laughs> um, I'm largely intuitive in my approach to life. Um, which has huge benefits. And there's a couple of moments where you're like, ooh, it might be a good idea to plan what you're <laughs> doing or you know things like that. So keeping that balance between the head and heart is mm. one of my primary challenges. And, you know, I, I, I've come, you know, in the last decade or so to do, be doing a much better job with that. So can you talk a little bit about your book and, and sure. what it is and what it's about and who it's for, all that? I love no. the title because it's so not like artsy fartsy. It's like <laughs> in your face. I love it. Is, it. it is completely in your face. Yes. <laughs> not effing around. Not, not effing around. The no BS guide for getting your creative dreams off the ground. And yeah, it's, um, it is not an academic tome. <laughs> it is, I mean, there's illustrations and lots of white space. It's basically really powerful ideas in a fun, short, easy to read book. And who Very is cool. it, like, who is it for? Like, who would be your audience for that book? <clears throat> the audience for this book is anyone who wants to be creative and hasn't taken that step, doesn't know how to just start and anyone who is creative or was creative or is blocked in their creativity. Hmm. I mean, this thing is, is really just about empowering creatives to be their authentic self, get over some of these blocks, you know, that we all have in different ways and different forms and create something, you know, that's, you know, that's meaningful to them, hmm. right? To have a life you know, a life worth living, really. Because a lot of people sometimes, you know, just kind of get stuck in, you know, in their lives without finding the truth or, or experiencing a real powerful expression of who they are. Because it's, mm. you know, in ways, it's easier. You go to 
the job and you come home and you have a couple of beers and you watch TV and play video games, right? Well, there's that. I mean, you want to go to your grave like that? Go ahead. But it seems like a waste of time on earth. Yeah, I feel like there's so few of us get to or actually, you know, lean into who we are and what our giftings are and and kind of direct our path. But it sounds like a lot of maybe some of that comes from the negative self-talk that we have in our heads that are kind of keeping us from that. Um, so I, I see the synergy in the work that you do. I mean, there's a lot of congruence in, you know, all the things that that you do, which is really, really cool. And that's really inspiring. You know, I think people that are living their authentic selves, like you said earlier, um, they inspire and um, empower other people to do that, right? Exactly. They say it's possible. So yeah, I mean, not everyone can drop the day job and all this and, you know, be a writer full time or go to Broadway and give it a shot or something like that. And that's fine. You know, that's for some people for some times in our lives, you know, maybe when you're younger or more established and, you know, who knows. But what I do know is that even if you spend 10 minutes a day being creative, it will enrich your life. If you're a photographer, you got a cell phone in your pocket, you know, for 99% of America, the answer is yes, right? Which means, you know what? You can run around and take artsy pictures. Look for beauty in the world, mm -hmm. right? I've done, uh, I love doing this when I, can, when I can get a friend to do it. Tag team haikus, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. I text it, they text it back, it's done. I oh my gosh! Line, done. Oh my god! I'm writing this down because it's so. Easy. I know that sounds really oh. fun. <laughs> right? It's a great, great. It takes it takes like minutes a day, and you're you're like your whole world just kind of brightens up because you're, you know, you're you're using a different part of, of yourself. What do you say? I think a lot of times, um, especially adults, think that they're not creative, or I'm not a creative. Like I'm not a writer. I'm not a musician. I don't know how to sing. I can't paint. But even for those people who are bad artists, like why is it important to start and to have that practice? Okay, so people often confuse the skills of a certain medium with creativity. Mm. Like being able to paint like a master painter, right? Or being able to sing really well, or like all those things. Those are skills. Those are not even creative. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a skill just like, you know, I don't know, cooking or computer programming mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just a thing that you practice and you learn and you do. Creativity is a way that you look at the world, experience the world through your own authentic lens and connect ideas, images, words, sounds, whatever your thing is, movement in ways that make sense to you. Mm -hmm. Right. So everyone is creative. Everyone is creating. If you're waking up and breathing, you are creative. You are mm. creating the life that you live. The question is, what do you create? Mm. So you can create a painting or a song. That's typically what we think of as creative. But it's creative to start a business. It's mm -hmm. creative to walk down the street kind of funny because you're feeling like it. And it's so true. You know, I... I went to school for music and in my music program we learn a lot of skills and but then it can sometimes feel 
very robotic and not very creative. Um, and so even I think in the study of a creative practice, just because you can draw well doesn't necessarily mean you're really harnessing that authentic creative expression. And whereas a child who has no skill just does it naturally. Um, so I think the skill can equip us to maybe more fully express ourselves. But if we're not tapping into that authentic creative expressivity within whatever medium we're using, then we're not really reaping the, tr the full benefits of that. Exactly. And I would also say that the skills are not as important as people think. Mm. Okay. So here is an example from the music world once again. <laughs> okay. What did Bono say this time? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is, this is a Led Zeppelin and the Sex Pistols story. Great. Okay. So Led Zeppelin, all these guys are, were extraordinary musicians, right? And they made some really rocking songs, mm -hmm. right? high level musicianship. You can feel it like, holy crap. Okay. Then let's turn it way back down to the Sex Pistols. These guys could barely play, <laughs> right? But they were angry and pissed off and they had an amplifier and a guitar. <laughs> and you know what? You listen to the Sex Pistols or the Ramones or something like that. And you're like, wow. I feel that, that yeah. communicated yeah. to me. It's a different communication, but that's fine because the world needs the Led Zeppelins and we need the punk rockers. Yeah. We need the people who are screaming and we need the people who are, you know, angelic voices. Mm. Oh, right? Same thing that. is true in, in everything. You can draw a stick figure or a masterpiece, right? But as long as it's coming from a, a powerful place, you know, that the communication will get through. Can you talk a little bit about the your kind of your perspective of arts, kind of that difference between arts for yourself versus kind of consuming art, like how we um, how we experience art as a as a consumer in that in that difference? I'm just curious in your perspective on that. So, you know, like we were talking about before, art at at, at its high level is the creator creates something that intersects in some way with the experience of the audience. So when you are the creator, it is your experience and your creation, and you are broadcasting that out into the world. As the audience, and, and as the audience, it's the opposite, right? But what is powerful in this dynamic is that the audience gets something experiences something, feels something, articulates or, or has the articulation of something that they themselves, that is true for them, but they can't necessarily articulate mm. themselves. So like a really super basic um, example, again, in music is might be, you know, oh God, you know, I'm so in love with this person. So you can say, hey baby, I love you, right? This and that. But there's a love song that like really hits that spot on that. Like if a person can't sing and write that song, you know, play that song, th they take that vision and then they they experience it in that way. So there's this level of, so if I hear what you're saying right, there's this, there's this 
skill that us as artists have about articulating what is hard to articulate, right? Exactly. And so we're articulating kind of the common human experience and then, you know, people that are consuming art in, in different forms, different mediums, we're helping them articulate their human experience, right? Is that what, kind of what you're saying? Exactly. So yeah, that is the bit that is basically what it's at. And, you know, to dial it up just a little bit, you know, if I was talking to songwriters who are really going for it, what you really want to do is make these ideas and these emotions both general enough that many people, that other people can get it, but also specific enough that it is true to your experience. Hmm. Okay. So if it's too general, then the lyric is baby, baby, I love you. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, I, I get it, but you know, come on. Justin right? Bieber had an entire, a very popular song based around those words right there. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and that's why he has a very popular song because it's so general, mm. right? The more specific it is, the more narrow the, the listener, uh, you know, the demographic basically of the listener is going to be. Mm. Okay. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It sounds like what you're, what you're saying. Well, it depends what you're going for. Justin mm. Bieber is going for mass appeal. It's just like when you make a Hollywood movie, you can't make it that smart. It's gotta be, who's the bad guy? No, it's true. I mean, this is no secret. It's like, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? What do they want? How are they going to fight? Good guy's going to win. Are you hating on my Marvel movies? Oh, I'm not know. hating on them. <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm saying that's a, facts. that's a wide, that they're going for a wide audience. If you spend $200 million making a mm. movie, you definitely want that 200 million back plus as much more as you can get. So if you do, you know, if you spend 200 million making some artsy movie about, um, you know, I don't know, some, some totally fringe idea, you, it's not going to work because not enough people are going to resonate with it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm mm. saying. So depending on where you're going and what you want with your music, the level of personal, you know, uh, very specific personal information that you put in there versus the general experience is something that you want to think about. Yeah. Cause how many times do you listen to a song and you're like, Oh my gosh, that could be my theme song. <laughs> like he, you know, that person gets, he me. gets like me. it was written for me. Right. Or this, it, like that, like this fits exactly with the situation I'm in. You're exactly. Right. And that's a really well-written song for, you know, for you, you know, where people who hear it and feel that way. And that's, and, that's a successful song in my opinion. And does I feel like that maybe brings us back full circle to this idea of feeling seen that in making art, we can make ourselves feel seen, but in, making authentic expressions of art, we help other people feel seen. Absolutely. And, and connected. Like I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that feels that way. Exactly. Totally true. So the, the audience cannot express, cannot articulate that feeling. Right. But then they hear that song or see that movie or read that book or whatever. And they're like, Oh, right. Somebody else out there gets this and is talking to me through the song, through this movie, whatever mm. the deal is. And, you know, maybe they feel seen that way, especially if it's popular, right? You know, when 
you know, and some, I'm just trying to think of a good example of this, but, you know, some idea comes across and there's thousands or millions of other people who are like, oh yeah, I get it. I don't know if I would feel seen, but I would feel that community, mm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is part of feeling seen is knowing that there's others like you. Yeah, well, it's like you listen to a song and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my song. And then you show up at a concert and 40,000 other people are screaming <laughs> the same song. And you're like, wait, how do you know the lyrics? That's mine. <laughs> and then you find your tribe yeah. and then they're your people Bono forever. For me, not you. He just called exactly. me to tell me. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, how can people uh, best connect with you? I mean, I feel like we could sit here for hours and go yes. through every chapter of your book and every <laughs> blog post. Your blogs are amazing. Thank I you. wanted to talk about other things, but I know we're out of time and I don't want right. to take up your entire evening. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, um, the best way to find me is jefflizowitz.com. There's only one of those floating around on earth at the moment. <laughs> Um, and maybe you guys can put that link on your website when you post this thing. Um, one of the, uh, you can also get the book on Amazon if you want the book. And I do free 15-minute um, consultations, Zoom coaching sessions with anyone who would like. So if this, you know, if this kind of stuff sounds good to you, just go in there and you can sign up and I get to talk to you and we can... Uh, you know, up level your creative world and your you world in general. See my name in your inbox. Good, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. I loved learning from you. Very yeah. good. And, and you guys I started are, this. Yeah, and you guys are on a great mission. I love what you're doing. I think it's really powerful and important. And and good luck to you. And keep it keep it going. Thank you. The book is called Not Effing Around the no bullshit guide for getting your creative dreams off the ground. You can find that on Amazon. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you guys. Right. If you need to know anything from today or any episode, make sure you go to heartsneedart.org. Click on the podcast link and it'll take you to everything you need. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Keep creating. Have a good night, day, whatever time you're watching this. Listening to this. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader, and produced by Ivan Briones. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create arts for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartsneed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.